Hey, it's Sarah and Kristen. Welcome back for another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. We are stoked to have you here and so grateful for the time that both our guests and you, our listeners, give to us. Before we kick off, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and sea where this podcast is being recorded on, the land of the Gubby Gubby people of the Sunshine Coast. We pay respect to their elders past, present and those emerging. Just a quick little plug for our Patreon account. Patreon itself allows us to continue to cover the costs for the podcast, such as monthly hosting, website, and equipment upgrades to bring you the best sound quality possible, and any guest appearances from our dogs. None today, sorry. (laughs) With that in mind, every little contribution makes a huge difference to us. For a gold coin donation each month, we'd be so stoked to have you on as a patron. It's pretty easy to find and sign up online at patreon.com forward slash into the wee hours podcast. Thank you for all of our existing patrons and just all you listeners. Again, we cannot stress this enough. We love and appreciate you all. We absolutely do. And as we always say, support also doesn't need to be in the form of a financial contribution. Another way you can support the podcast and make it easier for people to find us is to consider leaving a rating or review on the platform you're listening to us from. Also, we do love seeing our listeners reach out to or tagging our guests in their Instagram stories. So if you've particularly loved an episode or you particularly love this one, please do repost, tag and let us know what you loved about it. Thank you again to everyone who has either left a rating or review or tagged us on socials. All right, so we are so stoked to bring you this super interesting and really insightful conversation with an absolutely wonderful human, Ali Geddes. Social media often gets a bad rap, but it is also a place where I personally have made some truly fantastic connections, and Ali is most definitely one of those. This was such a great opportunity to bring conversations that we've shared via Instagram Messenger around adventure, gender, and health out onto the podcast. Ali was wonderful to speak to, and they have an incredible story that they share with us. From their cancer diagnosis in 2018, allowing them to find solace in the outdoors, to their now epic bikepacking adventures they do around Australia, Ali has a beautiful outlook on life, adventuring, and just being a good human being. I know even my head was revving and thinking about some of the topics Ali brought up during this conversation, and we hope it will for you too. We just know you're going to love this one. Thank you again, Ali, for sharing your time with us. Let's get into it. Cue the music with Kristen. to episode 28 of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am joined by the amazing Kristen Vorton. Hi! (laughs) (laughs) One day I'll prepare my little description of you. And we are also joined over video by, oh gosh, I didn't even check your, how I, what you wanted your name before we started. Is it Ali or Alice? (laughs) Ali is perfect. Thank you. I mean, it's technically Alice, but like everyone calls me Ali, apart from my parents when I'm in trouble. So Ali. <laughs> oh, I killed it. So Ali Geddes, is that how you even pronounce your surname? 
Yes, I, I mean, it, to do. that's a great attempt. Like, I've had, like, Geds, Geeds, day at some point. So, but yeah, it's Geddes. Geddes, okay. So, welcome. Thank <laughs> Ali you. Geddes, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's Yeah, we had a little uh, chat off air first. Um, I think it's going to be a really good conversation. I'm really stoked. Sarah was like, we got this really cool girl. I'm like, far out. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm stoked. I might have to end up repeating some of the jokes that I made earlier. So just yeah. like, laugh again. <laughs> okay. That's perfect. Hold like, oh, up a little sign like, laugh again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So without much introduction, we're going to jump into our quick fire just to warm us all up and have a little yeah. bit of an intro to you with some obviously some really hard hitting questions. The first one being pineapple on pizza. Hells yeah or hells no. Hells no. Yes! <laughs> yes! My dog no, Moose just got to go crazy. Freaking out. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Yes. Allie. I'm stoked. Nah, it's just, it's too, it's too juicy. And then it just, it's like cucumber and sandwiches. Everything gets soggy. You know, the pineapple, I don't know. I'm, I'm like spinach and ricotta kind of bougie pizza person. Ooh, so. ooh, <laughs> I'd like one. a sourdough base with that, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So officially like solid nose. I've got mm-hmm. me, yeah. Tom, yeah. Allie, and like I'll count You mom. can't count your mom. Your mom just said she that so to polite. support you. <laughs> She would have said anything. She was just like, I've got to have Kristen's pack. I'll call it three, three and a half people on my team now. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. That's just like 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take the wins. Take right. the wins. Up to 50. Like, I, I still could pull it. It's quality, not quantity. That's it. it. <laughs> All right. Um, now, this these kind of quick fire questions come before we really get into the nitty-gritty of what you've actually mm-hmm. done, Ali. Um, but talk about your most memorable or favorite place that you've ever camped. Ooh, um, oh, it's kind of tricky. Uh, honestly, I'm going to say a place that I thought was going to completely overwhelm me, but I loved camping along the Nullarbor. And it really surprised me because when I was going into it, I was thinking, this is going to be awful. There's going to be absolutely nothing there. I'm going to be thirsty and sweaty all the time. And then I think there was no one else there, especially not on a bike. Mm. And so, you know, you just pull over to the side, make sure no one sees you go in, you know. And I, it was just the peace. I mean, apart from road trains going past, but it was just the peace and then the huge skies. Mm. It was just, it was amazing. Doing that for, for 10 days and I was just disgustingly dirty, but it was, it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. And I can't wait to get even further into the outback and kind of see those skies again. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. And I know this is quick fire, but for our non-bikepacking or non-Australian audience, can you quickly explain what the Nullarbor is? Yeah, so it's technically just the Nullarbor Plain is the Nullarbor, but that stretch of the air highway between Seduna and Norseman, which is about 1,200 kilometres, is kind of colloquially known as like the Nullarbor, even though the Nullarbor Plain is just a section in the middle that's like Nullarbor, comes from Null Arbor, treeless plain in Latin. And it's, yeah, it's just a very strange open space. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing landscapes you're right through. It's very cool. And so mm-hmm. while we're talking bikepacking, we always have this conversation that in bikepacking, it's handy to have two use items. So one item that has a dual mm-hmm. purpose. Please tell us about your favorite two use item. Oh, <laughs> I think it would be my Vargo bot. So it's like a little titanium screw lid um, 
container. I've got the 700 ml version. So you can put it on your stove, heat up your water, cook whatever you want in there. But then because it's got a like an O-ring, like a sealed thing, you can also store water for the day. I soak my lentils in there when I'm doing dal. Um, you can put like... I've also put like floppy carrots in there with some water and they've like hardened up a little bit. It's, it's multi-purpose. Um, I've also, I probably don't want to admit this, but I've also had a little bucket wash in there and I've like read it to rag in and just had a little, a little wash. So I then wash it afterwards, obviously, but yeah, it, that's my multi-purpose item. It's a bath, it's a storage thing and my saucepan. <laughs> Amazing. Excellent. Awesome Excellent answer. Choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you wash it in between. Oh, absolutely. It is. Sorry, Jimmy was like, that is disgusting. Why do you do that? And I'm like, pack light, travel far. I don't say that. He says that. And I just throw it back at him. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's definitely a good way to go. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. So you you have to create like a mandate. And it states that everybody in the world has to do this one thing every day. What would you have them do? Oh, can it just be like like a quote they have to do or like a mantra they have to live by? Whatever you want. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to channel my father, who's a very wise man. Um, his, his mantra for life is don't deny yourself. Now, he applies it more to like having another almond croissant, but I feel like you could apply it to a lot of things in life. <laughs> don't deny yourself. Oh, and there's a second bit. He's like, you don't have to justify having what you want and I love that he also says make good choices a lot but I know Sarah you've used make good choices oh, a lot so I decided to go for the <laughs> don't deny yourself one I feel Eat like all three on, of those the mantras <laughs> that he has though could be applied to almond croissants it's <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> a great choice <laughs> unless it's a chocolate one that's also but yeah don't deny yourself <laughs> good that's one awesome. I like that and I like that you went for like a quote for people to live up to Mm-hmm. that's great also clean your teeth oral health is very important oh, good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love this world that's perfect all right so next question this is one that we are asking more frequently now but if you were to come across a genie this genie mm. grants you three wishes <gasps> Kristen, can you give me the rules please yes you cannot make anybody fall in love with you you cannot bring anybody mm-hmm. back from the dead and you cannot ask for more wishes what would your oh, wishes be, Ali? Um, I'd really like to be invisible, like on demand. I don't know why, but I work with children. I'm a teacher and we spend a lot of time doing superheroes and we always talk about like, what would your superhero power be? And mine is always to be invisible. I feel like you could get away with some cool, like nothing. I wouldn't want to do anything illegal, but just I feel like you could do some cool stuff if you're invisible. So that would be one. Turn that on and off. Um... And then I think I'd choose something that would benefit everybody, like stopping climate change in its tracks sort of thing. (laughs) That would be a good one. And then third one. Oh, I'm not sure. This is really hard. It's really hard. Those two are easy. But now I'm like, I don't know. Um, I would... Again, we'll give you some time to think. Like, it took Sarah and I an entire weekend to sort out our three wishes. All we were doing was hiking and talking. And we, like, on the last day, last, like, ten minutes, we're like, all right, I got my third one. (laughs) Okay, I think I'd make some sort of, like, international, a bit like a NATO sort of thing, like the United Nations. I think I'd make, like, an international one of those 
but like the people that we're representing were like people that could actually affect a change in the world. So like Trump is banned, Boris is banned, Putin's banned, blah, blah, blah. But it's like everyone sends a leader that can actually enact change. So like money would go into things like, you know, cancer research, climate change, blah, blah, blah. And like something would actually happen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Incredible. And I'd be invisible so I could obviously go along. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can be invisible so you can jump in whenever you want. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you can be anywhere you want to be in all those conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool, Ali. Those are awesome. Those are great wishes. And then the last one to round us off, um, if you've listened to the podcast before, which you mentioned off air that you do, thank you. (laughs) You might know that this one's coming. We, um, We just always like to kind of throw it at our guests to sometimes a challenge for some but to give yourself a compliment. Um, ooh, a compliment. Um, and you, it's not a gratitude piece. <laughs> it's not, I'm so happy it's sunny. Like, it's a compliment of yourself. So I think, and obviously our later conversations will go into why this is so, but I think in the past few years, since like 2018, I think, well done, Ali. Here we go. Well done. I think you've managed to balance recovery through a good mixture of fragility and resilience. Like I've allowed myself to be fragile and stay vulnerable, but I've also stayed resilient. And I think that balance has been really important. So well done for staying in that balance, <laughs> I think. Beautiful. Well done, Ali. You made it through the quick fire. You. all right because those were super easy now you got to do the real easy one (laughs) so again we don't really have a backstory on you there's probably a few people listening who know who you are but let's open up the floor to Allie who are you give us your origin story you mentioned that you like superheroes and stuff it's kind of a superhero (laughs) background uh who are you where have you come from you know what brought you to be where you are now well, I'm currently in um, Adelaide, well, the Adelaide Hills, Australia. So I'd just like to start by acknowledging that I'm living and recording on the lands of the Ghana people, the traditional custodians of the land I'm living on. And I pay my respects to the elders past, present and future. It's a beautiful place where we live and I'm extremely grateful to be here. Um, so my kind of origin story, I'm just going to pop out a little trigger warning for anyone that's listening that I am going to talk about cancer. Um, and so if this is something that might affect you or whatever, feel free to pause, take care of yourself, like jump back in whenever you need to. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to pop that out there for any listeners. Um, so me, uh, I'm originally from England, which I'm sure is semi-evident in the accent but I picked up a few Australian like water and whatever so (laughs) they'll pop out um so I've always been quite active and I'd always been quite adventurous but I never really connected the two um until a little bit later on in life um I was working as a teacher in London um kind of very very good at my job I was a really really good teacher but I only really did my job I didn't really do anything else and I think we very easily get sucked into that sort of toxic positive uh, productivity thing of like I've been at work since 5am and I haven't left in and I very much got sucked into that because I wanted to be good at my job and it was an important job so it felt important to be in an important job <laughs> um and then like Brexit happened and it kind of came out of nowhere and I started to lose a bit of faith in England Um, And I traveled quite a lot previously. I backpacked a fair bit alone and with other people. 
but it kind of triggered something in me that was like I think this is the time to go it's time to do that that big trip um so I kind of sat down with my parents and was like I'd love your blessing I'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> but I love your blessing <laughs> that, that old um, chestnut <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you're like you can say no but um and they both gave me the blessing to go they were like it's your life you've got to do you know we'll always be proud of you no matter what you do um so I packed my bag bought a one-way ticket to Kuala Lumpur and quit my job I worked out the academic year and left um so I backpacked solo around your classic Southeast Asia <laughs> and I was a little bit older than all the other backpackers so I felt like I was like slightly wiser sometimes um but there's many stories from those years away that I won't necessarily go into right now that's um, a whole different then... conversation <laughs> Uh, what happens in Thailand <laughs> stays yeah. in, stays in <laughs> um, And anyway, I came home to visit my family in 2018. Um, and I'd had this this lump um, in my right breast that had sort of been bothering me for a while. And I'd had it checked out a couple of times. Um, and my doctor was like, it's just a cyst. And I'd had cysts previously, so I wasn't super concerned. Um, but it sort of stayed there in this whole year that I was away. Um, so I went back to my doctor and again, she was like, I think it's, it's just a cyst, but I was a bit more pushy this time. I was like, I'd really like to get this checked out. Like there's a family history. So, um, I pushed a bit harder and I went in for a biopsy and the person doing it was, um, like, this is solid. And you know, when you sort of know, like obviously solid mass doesn't necessarily mean tumor, but I just kind of knew. And I remember like driving in on the day when my results were ready and I wanted to go by myself and I was staying with my parents and I was like, no, no, I'm going to go by myself. Like, it's, it's going to be fine. I'm going to go by myself. And I remember driving in and looking at this beautiful landscape in Devon where they live and relishing that last like 40 minutes because I was thinking this is the last time that my life is ever going to be like this. Like this is the last bit of the before. Everything else from now is going to be the after. And I just sort of knew. And so when the doctor, my consultant was like, look, it's, it's breast cancer. I kind of knew. So I didn't have this like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't have this reaction. I just kind of went, okay. And she was kind of like, are you okay? Because I just sort of frozen a bit. And I think she expected a meltdown. And I was just kind of like, yep. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, I had to go home and tell my parents, which I think is the hardest thing I've ever done, (laughs) really. Um, And then the after started, (laughs) really. And so I went through treatment and... After that, I then started my combination of adventure and solo travel. Um, I decided I was going to walk the Camino de Santiago in the winter of 2018, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a, um, I think it's like 757 or something kilometers. We use miles in Europe. So I can remember it in miles. <laughs> like, <laughs> like 500 something miles um across northern spain and it's a very well-trodden route it's an old pilgrim route and something just kind of said i think it's time to go and do this and i'd only kind of just recovered and i had a bilateral mastectomy which is not only when they cut away kind of the um, tumor in the breast tissue but a lot of the muscle in your chest as well and i opted to not have a reconstruction so i'm essentially flat so i did have some concerns about sort of carrying a rucksack around but i was like i'm gonna do this um And so I flew to Germany, hitchhiked down to the start of it in France and then walked it. And that was kind of the start of realising that sort of momentum that 
day in day out of doing the same thing and not having any other responsibility was just it was the only thing I could have looking back I'm like that's the only thing I could have done Um, and I'll talk a little bit more later about why adventure why solo travel and etc but I'm just giving this little backstory Um, and I finished that and sort of didn't really know what to do (laughs) I thought I just wanted to carry on walking I was like I want to walk the world (laughs) um and I reapplied for my Australian visa which had actually expired because of the treatment and stuff um but I hate long-haul flights so I thought I'd break it up with a few months in India first so I flew to India and backpacked again kind of solo for a few months and then my beautiful friend Lottie shout out to Lottie who's a babe um came to join me and we backpacked a little bit and then I flew to Australia in November 2019 and been here ever since <laughs> and that brings us up to sort of now ish apart from all the adventures in Australia <laughs> amazing and can I do you mind I didn't ask before do you mind sharing how old you were when you had that diagnosis oh yeah so I was 27 um which is obviously incredibly young to get a cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. um and I also kind of touching on that one of the hardest things is that people my age like there's no one there's no support groups there's no like even my oncologist was like I don't know what to recommend to you because I've never really had someone your age to deal with. So when we were talking about kind of post-treatment plans mm. and um, a lot of breast cancer is hormone fueled. So estrogen and progesterone and um, kind of the um, female hormones are often kind of triggers for cancers of like breast ovaries and whatnot. Um, and so they were kind of like, do we give you this treatment to suppress it? Do we put you in a medical menopause? Do we do this? And, kind of didn't really know and like one of my um incredibly good friends here um Sophie she was a similar age when she got diagnosed with leukemia and she sort of said the same thing people don't know what there's no one our age Uh, and I think something that brought us together was the fact that we're both cancer survivors in very very different ways and very very different cancers but being able to just call her and kind of go I'm having a day because and you don't have to explain why you just feel really terrible all of a sudden like it's quite hard to explain to people that haven't like been through that so I think having that support network around you of someone who's going through or has gone through something you've gone through is so so important and I didn't realize that until I met her here and I met her like last year and so for all those years I didn't actually have anyone to talk to who was my age and I didn't know how important that was until I met her and I was like oh my god we have so much to talk about (laughs) we need to like backdate everything and (laughs) go through Um, and that's not to say obviously that I haven't had supportive people absolutely have but it's like the sympathy versus empathy you know sort of thing I guess Incredible. And interestingly, because I mean, I know Sophie via Instagram. She's also someone that has found yoga adventure and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing as well. So bearing in mind your story there, it sounds like the Camino de Santiago was, that was like a therapy in itself for you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And when you get sort of discharged, um, you sort of get given all these materials of how to heal (laughs) and you know this is this is real idea that like healing is a a linear narrative it's like you're diagnosed you're treated you're healed and then you get to go and it just what it wasn't like that you know only now would I say like almost coming up and four years later can I like actually put my hand up and sort of say I feel okay and not every day is okay there are lulls there are highs every time my scans come around I turn into this anxious bag of (laughs) worrying um where I'm just like, I'm going to die. You know, I have these breakdowns. I'm like, what do I do if I die? What do I do? And, you know, and that happens every year. So it's not like, oh, I'm fine. And now I'm always fine. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so they always tell you like, go to therapy. And it just wasn't for me. Like I just didn't find it helpful. Um, and that's not to say it is for some people it's, it's incredibly helpful, but for me, it was nature. It was alone time. And I think I realized while I was walking that I am actually a bit of an introvert. Like I'm very loud. I love people, but I have to heal alone. I have to heal in nature without that sort of interruption, I think. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> like what you were saying before, I think it's pretty relevant to like a lot of people who do find adventure when your biggest concern is just to wake up every day, have breakfast yeah. and just like, all you have to do is just get to the next point. Like it's so yeah. freeing. It's so oh. nice. It's relaxing. Like, of course it's, terrible like when you're in it you're like oh god my feet hurt and I'm exhausted I didn't sleep well last night and things but like how wonderful is that (laughs) yeah absolutely when you're like I've got to think about where I'm sleeping and where I'm getting my water from and what I'm going to eat and you know I I definitely find that those like things to do tasks creep up on you and I'm pretty good at like writing a list and ticking them off but there's always someone to reply to there's always like something to do and it's great to be able to like Oh, sorry. Um, I don't actually have signal. Oh, the best. <laughs> anyway, I do. I just don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> don't mind that. It's I like just the moment. On I saw someone yesterday who was like, um, she was like, oh, if I don't want to do something, I just stay on the close contact, and then I've got to isolate for twenty four hours. <laughs> I was like, that's a hot tip. <laughs> that is a perfect way to avoid any social interaction. <laughs> Absolutely. So are you, what like, at, at what stage now are you of cancer? I'm not very, I luckily, you know, knock on any sort of wood that's around. I don't have any sort of experience um, with it. I don't have family members that have gone through it and stuff. So at what stage are you up to now? Is it in remission? Yeah, yeah. So I've been in remission since 2018, which is awesome. Um, thank you. I'll probably do a little celebration on the fourth. I like to do a little celebration every year. Like my friend Sophie does a sort of like a rebirth day um, when she got her stem cell, uh, stem cell transplant that it's like I'm sort of reborn, you know, I'm going. And so I sort of do a similar thing around the, it's around the same time. I think it's just really nice to celebrate that sort of like still going. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll be in four years of remission and I'm on like active treatment but it's not anything like chemotherapy or radiation. It's just kind of like that. Like I was saying about the hormones, it's like a sort of um, hormone blocker. So it's sort of a medical menopause, but a a slightly gentler one than they sometimes suggest. Mm -hmm. And I should be on that for the next, I've done four years, should be on that for the next six years, unless obviously something changes. Um, And I've got some scans and some things kind of coming up um, just to double check. Everything's going okay, but um, Australian healthcare is pretty good. (laughs) They're pretty efficient. So I feel like I'm in good hands. <laughs> yeah, nice. So I guess um, on to adventure and you landing mm-hmm. in Australia. Now, we put in the notes here that you toured 2,600 kilometers solo around Victoria in between lockdowns. You've cycled 4,500 kilometers from Melbourne to Perth solo. And your description, and it was from the Curve site, was on what has kindly been described as a clunker of a bike, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant how did you I'll give you I'll give you like a guess who do you think described my old bike as a clunker I don't know if is it gonna oh I don't want to guess wrong if it's gonna be Jimmy or it's gonna it was Jimmy (laughs) (laughs) so yes your partner Jimmy who who he's done a bit of cycling in his time yeah just like a tiny tiny little bit not not that much no he's not very well known um (laughs) well thing is he's got like three beautiful curved bikes you know so he looks at mine he's like 
mm, how much is this? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, uh, not, not much. <laughs> um, yes. Did you meet? She worked at <laughs> Also, I have to call, my bikes all have names. They're always females. Um, so my first bike, bless her, was called Virginia. She was like a $500 Marin. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Um, and yeah, she was a bit of a clunker, but to this day, she has never failed me. Nothing has ever gone wrong with her. So I'm, you know, that's great. <laughs> I love that. is going strong. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, before we actually get into all of your achievements on your bike, you've gone from like being in the UK and it sounds like mostly working. We did a little bit of like individual travel throughout Southeast Asia. We did our huge first trip, like trek. Mm-hmm. But then what made you get into biking? Like, how was your transition into it? Um, So I was still very much in this mindset of I'm going to walk the world. And then I landed in Melbourne and um, started doing the sort of life admin that comes with moving to a new country. And on the first day, I walked 17 kilometers. And I was like, this country is too big to walk. (laughs) I need to get a bike. You mean 17K doesn't get you all the way to the Great Barrier Reef? (laughs) Where am I? I thought I'm in Queensland by now. Um, So after like three days of walking like that much every day just to do like grocery runs and things, I was like, I need to get a bike. So I just went on Gumtree, bought this like $10 claptrap like piece of rubbish. Um, What was was the name of that bike? I actually didn't have, I didn't have it that long. Oh, I literally oh, had it wow. a week and was like, this bike is terrible. <laughs> I'm actually just going to buy a new one. Um, and so I'd never owned a first hand bike before. Um, the bike I used, in, so I, I'm like a commuter cyclist. Normally I commute across London and I had my sister's old bike, which was, um, I'm not really sure of the backstory. I think there was some minor theft involved with her ex-boyfriend turning up with it one day. And it's, like, one of those really cool old, like, Peugeot single-speed ones. Um, But it was sort of this amalgamation of whatever parts people had lying around. So, like, the handlebars didn't fit the brakes, didn't really, but the front wheel wasn't on properly. And, like, if I ever put it on the underground because, like, it was snowing or something and I didn't want to ride home, like, men would look at that wheel and I'd be like, go on, say it, go on, say it. And they'd come up and be like, oh, excuse me, you know that your uh, wheel isn't on properly. (laughs) I'd be like, yes, I know, but it, it functions. <laughs> Promise One guy came up and I was like, I know about the wheel. <laughs> so yep. Frank, I called him Frank, Frankenstein, because he was a monster. Um, after the experience with Frank and then this cheap bike I got of Gumtree, I was thinking, I just need to get a good bike. I'm going to buy my own first first-hand bike. So um, I think I went on like bikes online or like cycles online or something and order this bike. Um, and it came in a box. I opened the box and thought, oh, it's not together. <laughs> First and it came, yeah. <laughs> And it came with tools. And I was well, like, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you're already a step ahead. <laughs> um, so I managed to put it together uh, reasonably easy, which I was, you know, it did come with like very obvious instructions. And like I was like, okay, going for right. Or were there actual like English instructions? <laughs> no, actually, yeah, there was actual instructions in English with like picture diagrams, which um, is like a step up from like IKEA. So that was fine. <laughs> it wasn't flat pack, flat pack bike. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hopped on, went to ride to Aldi, and um, was like going up a hill, and I was like, oh, I don't know how to shift gears on a drop bar, and was just like pressing all these like. I just had to pull over and Google how to shift on a drop bar bike. <laughs> um, and this is like 
three weeks before I went on my first bikepacking trip. <laughs> but you know, you laugh when I, so I've always had Shimano and when I mm. got my Curve GMX, we, we are bike twins, except mm-hmm. Ali has a very beautiful pink GMX. Oh. When I got that, it's SRAM double tap. I didn't know how to yeah. change on <gasps> SRAM double tap. So I actually had to stop and Google. <laughs> Okay, that makes it so much better. It's like I've just spent $10,000 on a bike and I don't know how to change gears. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) To call it a steep learning curve then would be a (laughs) very accurate description. (laughs) Definitely. So you were not alone. Uh, But after that, everything went smoothly. Um, And whilst like, so I had this idea of walking, which kind of very swiftly got canned. And then I was drawn to van life. Like Australia is a very like van life destination. And I followed a few hashtags um on van life on instagram and sometimes when you would go on the explore bit all these beautiful vans would come up and then there was one that i clicked on that caught my eye and there was a guy um on a bike with all these bags on and i was like oh that looks cool like what is he doing so i clicked on his profile turns out he's australian his name is nick um and like i've sent him a few messages on instagram just to be like hey like you don't know who i am but you inspired my journey (laughs) he was like okay cool (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah, and I clicked through some of his pictures and I just thought like, oh, I think I can do this. Like, you know, I wouldn't be able to do 300 kilometers a day, but I was like, I reckon I can, I can do this. So I bought like a load of secondhand gear, which is something I'd advise. Like I know later on there's kind of like advice for first timers, like just get secondhand stuff. See if you like it. Like don't spend a ton of money on the latest things. Like I will do that now because I know what I need. But at the time I just kind of bought a load of stuff from like op shops which in england are charity shops and in america are thrift stores they which are. i'm going to clarify for sarah who i messaged ali the other <laughs> yeah. day i was like so remind me because, and you know why because i was going to put and i've forgotten i was going to put a quick fire question for ali because ali has been shopping for like household stuff in op shops recently and i was going to say what's your best op shop find then i was like do we say that in the UK? What is, is it a charity shop? So there we go. I just had a total mind blank. So there we go. That's where the op shop question came from. But yeah, go uh, peruse your local op shops and grab some stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then I had two weeks off work for like the, the half-term holidays and planned a um, trip around Tasmania, which is where a lot of people tend to do their first bikepacking trips. Like Jimmy did his there, a lot of other people I've met. So I was living in Melbourne at the time, so I got the ferry over and basically cycled down the East Coast, um, down to Hobart, and then back up and then took the ferry back and learned a lot about that journey, like some pros, some cons. And the main thing was like, I love this. This is what I want to do. It combined my love of just like the self-sufficiency of having everything you need in a bag, except it's faster than walking. And when you go downhill... (laughs) You just roll. <laughs> I was like, this is so much better than hiking. <laughs> um, and then I had, so then like from that kind of small, and I, I can't remember how far, I think I did like 700K or something. But from that, I was like, okay, I'm going to cycle around Australia. And I drew this huge map of Australia, marked up all the points I wanted to cycle to and started drawing roads that I was going to cycle. Um, and then COVID hit and I got stuck in Melbourne. <laughs> so I was there for like, I think it was the March until the November, October, November, we were in like this huge lockdown, which everybody knows. Um, and I then left as soon as that ring of steel was kind of lifted around the city and we could get into regional Victoria. I just was so ready to hop on my bike. Um, so I jumped on there and I did, yeah, that like 2,500, 600 kilometer trip all around Victoria, um, which 
when I look back, I probably wouldn't have done if we hadn't have had that lockdown and I couldn't have gone outside Victoria. I would have just gone straight across to Perth. So in a way, I'm really glad that I did have that because I was forced to kind of explore Victoria, which has turned into like one of my favorite places. There's so much there. Um, so yeah, I did, did that beautiful tour. And that, again, like I feel like every time you do a tour or whatever, you know, you learn what's working, what isn't. Like I've changed from like panniers to bikepacking bags to like, you know, um, and got back for Christmas and I worked a little bit more and then set out on the big Melbourne to Perth. Well, it was meant to be Melbourne back around to Melbourne, but I broke it into sort of three chunks. It was Melbourne to Perth, stop in Perth for a bit, Perth to um, Cairns, stop in Cairns, Rick Cairns to Melbourne. And that was kind of the idea. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> But then that was <laughs> so you went to Perth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can go on more about more about the um, that. Um, so, yeah, I did Melbourne to Perth. Um, and obviously everyone was like, you're going to die crossing the Melbourne. Um, and it took um, a lot of convincing people that it wasn't like an actual desert, that there are sort of, you know, roadhouses and stuff. You know, obviously you do need to plan ahead made a beautiful spreadsheet something you'll learn throughout this podcast is that i am like the spreadsheet ruler <laughs> i love a color-coded spreadsheet i think later on you've got a question like how do you plan for your trips i'm just like spreadsheets spreadsheets <laughs> <laughs> you know how do you how do you plan for moving house i've made a spreadsheet what do you do when you go for- i make a spreadsheet <laughs> now i'm um, really hot-hitting question do you have excel on your computer or do you use google sheets I have Excel on my computer, but that's because it's a school computer. So it's got like, you know, I'm talking to you guys like through Teams on my school account. Um, can you imagine going on Monday and they're like, so you had this really long <laughs> conversation on Teams. Who are you? On a, on a Saturday. <laughs> it's continual professional development. I was talking to other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm impressed. Yeah. To whenever it pops up with like, do you want to um, have your Microsoft subscription redone i'm like no no no, no. i'll just use google google sheets yeah <laughs> so i'm very yeah, if i had to pay yeah. for it i wouldn't be using it <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah um so while i was kind of on this um melbourne to perth section like i was i was alone pretty much for three months um three months much april May, yeah three months obviously meeting people um along the way like I met some incredible people I also met Jimmy along that trip which I'll go into later he got a little side mention um and so like although there were I was never lonely and I never feel lonely when I'm alone like I'm just alone and I love that but I had a lot of time to sort of think especially on the Nullarbor where honestly there's not a lot to look at and I went into that thinking this is going to be really tough for my brain and I downloaded like a billion podcasts and all this audible books and stuff um and actually, I ended up just thinking for a lot of it. And since then, I've always kind of gone into each day and been like 20 kilometers of silence, 20 kilometers of podcast if you need it, music if you need it. But I always start the day, if I'm hiking, it's five kilometers, but I always start the day with 20K of silence just to sort of settle in and just like, you know, work through um, some things. And the thing that I thought while I was crossing the Nullarbor was like, why do I wonder? And I think it was because so many people are like, why are you doing this? Either, uh, and honestly, most of it was like, why are you doing this? Like, you're going to die kind of thing, which, you know, we'll get into a little bit later about that. But, um, and I, I know why I was doing it. I could explain that. But I do kind of think like, why do some people wonder and some people not? Like, and I, I just had so much time to think. And so I started thinking about that so much of life is this kind of balance 
between like freedom and security that right now I have a lot of security. I'm in this beautiful house. I've got a great job, but I don't have a ton of freedom. Like I don't even have consecutive days off at the moment. I can't get away on my bike and it's bugging me a little bit, but I'm like, I'm in a work phase. I'm saving money. We're moving house. We're, you know, got, I'm going back to England. I've got to save money, blah, blah, blah. So I'm super secure, but I don't have any freedom yet. When I'm on the road, I have so much freedom but I have zero security. I'm alone on a bike in a tent. And I think, you know, some people prioritize security. Like if you've had a really difficult upbringing, you've moved around a lot, you want that security. You don't want the freedom. You're just happy that life is normal. Like your environment really shapes how you react to that sort of like balance of freedom and security. Um, and like my, um, like the year before that, like cancer kind of stole my freedom and my security. Mm. And so Australia was about kind of finding both it was about a response to to both um and I've always really struggled with change <laughs> I find change really hard and like it's really important and I've changed a lot and gone through changes but I've always found it difficult and I kind of just had to just accept like change is the only constant and like I know that's super cliche but it is and it's like okay if you've just got change and that's the only thing you can guarantee within that you can choose whether you want freedom or security and I was like adventure I'm leaning towards kind of you know adventure and that momentum and the sort of freedom that momentum brings like you've just got to move forward like we said earlier you just move forward you plan your next sleep and your next water and whatever um and so the nullable actually turned into this really reflective 1200k of like people chucking snacks out of their windows and me just like ruminating on life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the meaning of life, freedom or security. <laughs> Obviously, that's very simplistic. There's much more to life to that than that. But that was my sort of overall response to like, why do I wonder? Like, what am I? What am I doing? You know? Um, yeah. I, so yeah. that's <laughs> such a fantastic reflection, Ali. You've it really is. got me thinking. Yeah. The freedom versus security thing. Well, it was either go totally insane or like <laughs> think about something too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but isn't that interesting? Because I think also to. So freedom, I think we typically associate with uncertainty, which we equate to insecurity. But that's not actually necessarily the case, right? Mm. That's just depending on the lens that you put on that and your attitude towards uncertainty, because actually that could be the most incredibly exciting thing. You didn't know what was going to happen on the Nullarbor. It turned out amazingly. You had people throwing snacks out the window and you had all this time to think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it does come down to perspective and a mindset, right? But I love the way that you have that balance or talk about that balance and like you say, Mm. working at the moment and be more dialed into that security than you are necessarily the freedom. But then that security is going to give you freedom. Yeah, Yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, in the future. And so Mm. my life, like for a small time, revolved around sort of a six-month work, six-month travel, or six-month work, six-month travel, um, which, you know, can't do right now because I'm sort of locked into a contract. But, you know, it's really nice to feel like I have moved around since 2017 and like Jimmy and I are just about to move into our own place after like the rental market's been hectic and we finally found somewhere and it just brings me so much joy that we're going to have our own space we can decorate hence all the thrift shop shopping I'm trying to do the whole thing as like zero waste as possible so I keep picking up all these things like look what I found he's like oh god more retro earthenware (laughs) it's it's so good I love it it's in Ali's plants in it Oh, dear. Yep. So good. That's classic. Um, I feel like a lot of people resonate that with that. Um, automatically, I think of my sister who did like so much travel, and she mm-hmm. is kind of in that same situation. She and her um, partner have just found a spot, um, and they're kind of like starting. 
I say starting their lives together. They've been living for a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it does feel like a new start, though. Does, like we're yeah. moving somewhere new and – yeah, and it's absolutely. their own, and it really feels like she's like settling into this. But it's a really like it's a comfortable thing for her because she's had so much freedom for the last little bit. That now I think they do find a little bit, and I'm you know I'm talking on behalf of her, so it could be totally different. But it does <laughs> feel like they are enjoying that little bit of security that they might have lacked yeah. while they were out doing the freedom stuff. But it's all about yeah. prioritizing your different, you know the different things at different times of when you need yeah, it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and I know at some point um, we will both want to sort of like, Jimmy's itching for like an overseas trip. I'm itching to go home. I haven't seen my parents for three years. It's been all over the place. <clears throat> Excuse me. A little COVID cough still working. <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> um, I know he's itching to kind of go overseas and um, – you know, but also like he can't wait to move. Um, and I think in a couple of years time, we'll both probably just want to kind of pack everything in and like do a big bike trip, which we're kind of, we talk about, but it's very much like in the future at the moment. Um, so yeah, I think that, that kind of wheel will flip back around and it'll be like, let's get out of here. Yeah, definitely. Now go back to that, um, the trip over to Perth. It sounds like you mm-hmm. met Jimmy, your partner on that trip. Yes, yes. I did. Um, and then we both we both sort of have a different uh, way we tell this story. So I tell it like, oh, it was such a meet cute. He tells it like I'm a stalker. Um, so I'm glad that I get the chance to jump in there first. He's not here at the moment. He's working. So I'm going to jump in first. Um, so basically, when I was doing that little Victoria trip, um, I was talking about when I went around Victoria, I got to the town of Bright, which is a beautiful, uh, like, kind of mountain bikey town. And I was camping up at just a cheap campsite I found there. And this group of mountain bikers came over and they're like, oh, what, what are you doing? And I said how I was touring. Um, and they were like, oh, have you heard of Jimmy Ashby? And I was like, no. Um, and they were like, oh, you would, you'd love him. Um, he's just been on this podcast, the Hidden Athlete podcast, which also, shout out, it's a great podcast. Um, and they were like, yeah, you're basically the female version of him. Like, you should listen to this podcast. And so they sent me the podcast and I was like, sure, like downloaded it. And like, well, later, like, we'll talk a little bit about sort of gender in the outdoors. And like, honestly, my thought was like, yay, another white male cyclist. You know, I don't think I need another one of these in my life kind of thing. Because cycling is such a male dominated sport. Mm. It's just lots of very thin men in Lycra. (laughs) (laughs) So I was kind of a little bit hesitant. But then I listened to it the next day, and it's a really long podcast, which this one might end up being <laughs> on a similar level. It's like two and a half hours. Um, and, like, I was like, well, I'll listen. Like, I'm never going to say no. And I just thought, like, what a cool guy. Like, he is so humble, and his journey is amazing, and, like, the causes behind it. And he just sounded really switched on, like, emotionally switched on and just kind. Um, so I started following him on Instagram, as you do. Um, and then when I was leaving Melbourne to come through to Adelaide, I had a friend in Adelaide who I met ages ago backpacking in Malaysia and his housemate, um, also has interviewed Jimmy on a different podcast. And so I asked my friend if I could come stay with them in Adelaide because I needed somewhere to crash. And he was like, yeah, 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 sure. And his housemate was like, you should really get in contact with Jimmy. He's a really nice guy. Um, I was like, oh, okay. So I sent him a message on, uh, slid into his DMs. <laughs> Love it. And was like, hey, like, how are you going? I'm cycling through Adelaide. Like, nice to meet up for a beer if you want. Like, I, there were no feelings at this point. And I want to make that very clear because Jimmy <laughs> will say 
you cycled to Adelaide just to meet me for a bit. <laughs> untrue, untrue. Um, but like, thing, it, was more, <laughs> it was more like, I just want to meet someone who also likes to ride their bike and travel. Because, you know, at this point, all my friends in the UK are kind of going, oh, you're bonkers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, shot him a message. And we ended up meeting up, went for a walk on the beach, had some chippies. Um, little side note on chippies. What is with Australians and, like, the chippies, hot chippies? What it crisps and and chips like it just it I get confused every time I'm like are we talking like like Walkers like crisps or are we talking like chips with like sauce? Well, it's- you say this, but you floored me there. I was like, wait, what what are chippies in this context? Can you clarify? Like hot chips. Hot chips. Okay, yeah. Well, you just could just chips. call them French fries and then no, no. Chips and then potato chips. Okay, the American here, Ali. <laughs> oh, potato potato chips. Yeah, yeah, it's very clear that I'm going to have French fries with my ketchup, which is based on sugar, it's not like... this bloody vinegar stuff that's coming out of here. <laughs> we literally just have chips or crisps. It's so simple. Like yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah, French fries and it... or potato chips. Yeah, so chips or crisps, <laughs> single words. But they're Doesn't both true. But there's chippies, so there's you chips. call them potato chips. Yeah, exactly. They're all potato based. Yeah, but these are potato chips. Anyways, going back to the Australians. <laughs> so anyway, really we had some point because had... it depends on the context. But I feel like I, I feel like I speak Australian now. Then because you can pick it up in different. Like I knew that you were talking about. Hot, hot chips. Hot chips. Yeah. I, I thought it was the cutest thing when I first moved here. I was like, oh, I have to describe the temperature of the chip. <laughs> <laughs> hot chips, cold chips. <laughs> I think they always put an adjective before. Love heart. We yeah. just put say heart. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Back into it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, everyone yeah, here, everyone in SA uh, calls them chippies. And so like, I now call them chippies. And then I realize I sound like a toddler, like chippies. <laughs> so we went for chips of the hot kind with mayonnaise or ketchup or whatever. Um, and we just started talking and straight away I was like, this is a really nice guy. Like we covered some pretty gross subjects pretty early on, like worst place you've ever done a poo. And I was like, oh, I like him. (laughs) (laughs) Just get it all out there. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, and yeah. And so we thought like, oh, we'll hang out again before I move on. And I ended up staying in Adelaide for like two weeks and I planned to stay there for like a couple of days. Um, but like, yeah, I kind of wanted to hang out again. And then he had his Easter holidays and was planning to drive up to Wilpina Pound. Um, and I was planning to cycle up to Wilpina Pound. So when he was like, hey, you want to come with me in my van? I was like, I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as we were driving up there and we were just passing nothing, I was like, oh, I'm pretty glad I am. Uh, Stepped this ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we spent some time up in Wilpina together and, yeah, um, kind of just realized we really liked each other and the rest is, rest is history. But we had, like, a bit of a – so we had a gap when I cycled um, Adelaide over to Perth and then he came to meet me in Perth um, and then he met me in Alice Springs and then when I got to Cairns, I um, came over here and I've been living here since kind of August last year. And um, so we have had, like, a couple of, like, gaps here and there and he works in outdoor ed so he's sort of you know away for a couple of weeks on a camp and kind of comes back and that really works for us you know we get space to kind of do our own thing and then we see each other again and it's it's pretty lovely so so yeah and now you're moving in together this is so well you're to your own place well, no, we, we live together, together already together. but um yeah. yeah we live with jimmy's wonderful parents Anne and gary little shout out to Anne and gary who are just <laughs> my australian parents i love them so much um yeah they've just taken care of me and like i came here with like a backpack and a bike and we're coming to pack up, and I'm like, where did all this stuff come from? <laughs> Easily done. Easily done. <laughs> so in terms of um, this trip then, Perth, going across the Nullarbor, and people are saying to you, you're going to die. 
I imagine mm-hmm. in that context, people are saying to you, why are you doing this on your own? It would be way yeah. safer if you took Jimmy with you or if you went in a group. What is yeah. your response to that? Um, so I think we're kind of moving towards the sort of like gender in the outdoors um, sort of conversation that like Sarah and I have talked about sort of previously um so kind of before we go into this section so I identify as non-binary um so my pronouns are they she which I know is like super complicated <laughs> but my I have like a bit of a reasoning behind it and um, so I was, very, I was assigned female at birth and grew up in that very sort of like this is what being a woman means I'm like I have like the most incredible parents they are so open-minded they are feminist they are just incredibly supportive and I can like tell them things and they're like yeah go and do it like they are still supportive of the fact that I'm over here but despite that I still grew up thinking like a best the best thing a woman can be is like pretty thin and quiet and it just sort of got ingrained a little bit and so like I'm an adult and I grew up before social media was like super pervasive and it's still taken me a really long time to move past that um and like later on like in the show notes I was going to link a couple of books that have like really helped me and a few like Instagram pages that have really helped me just kind of like clear that out of my head um and so I think it's really hard to sometimes respond to that aren't you scared why are you going alone question because like I am scared I am scared of going alone but what do I do just not ever do anything Mm. um and I think part of that, and so part of my journey was sort of um, coming to terms with my gender identity. Like there was a lot of gender dysphoria in my in my history. And gender dysphoria is basically when you sort of look in the mirror and you don't feel like you look like who you are. And that can be to do with haircut, clothes, um, sort of presentation, anything. And it wasn't until I kind of, I, don't, I just didn't have the words for it. I didn't have the words to explain how I felt and until I started, um, I read this brilliant book by um, Alok Menon called Beyond the Gender Binary. I've read that as well. It's fantastic. So yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. And I just kind of was like, oh, I actually, I don't have to be a woman. I don't have to be a girl. And I know it sounds like for anyone who's not really used to sort of like conversations around gender and stuff, it sounds like what? You're just making up your own. But like, you know, he basically sort of says, and like, this is my words, not um, not theirs. So take it you know <laughs> read their book it's much more like fluid but basically like gen- the gender and the gender binary of male female is a social construct um and like it's harmful however you identify because you know we have things like these unrealistic beauty standards of how women have to be like hairless and, and beautiful and men are like you know strong whatever and it's so pervasive it's like boys don't cry women use pink pens bossy women are awful mm. and and that's why I think it's harmful for anyone like you can be cisgender and be assigned female at birth and be very confidently female and it's still gonna harm you whether you realize it is or, or not and so I think what we end up doing is we sort of have this like hierarchy of human traits and most of the ones at the top are male and so you kind of end up you know assigning these traits to genders and so it sort of ends up, I don't know, and I just, I hated that. I hated that it, you know, and it's always like whenever a, a woman, I'm doing quote marks, does something that's like traditionally male, there's a lot of like about it. And so I kind of like, I don't know, for me anyway, my personal kind of story was when I started kind of being the they, 
I suddenly kind of was like, ah, I don't have to look like a woman. And therefore, it doesn't matter if my body doesn't look this way, if my appearance doesn't look this way. And it just allowed me to go like, I don't care because that's not me anymore. Um, and it just brought this this joy and like euphoria. And it just kind of, it's, I used to, you know, try and get dressed and I would stand in front of the mirror crying, being like, I don't have anything to wear that makes me feel like me today. And like, it would be the same clothes that I'd wear every day, but I'd look in the wardrobe and be like, I don't know how to be me because I want to, I don't want to be a boy, but I don't want to be a girl. I just want to. And so when you just remove all of that and you kind of just go, I am just me. And like, it's still a very much a learning journey. Like I think I said, I use like they, she pronouns because at the same time I grew up assigned female at birth and I grew up female and to remove the she I feel takes away from everything that like women mostly black women have done to um close the gap and sort of make equality a thing so like I would never want to get rid of the she part of me but it brings me a lot of euphoria to kind of be like I'm a they (laughs) um yeah and I'm pretty grateful for the people around me for sort of supporting that like I know it's really hard you know, I have, I've been a sister and a daughter and a girlfriend and for the people around me to sort of come to terms with that, I think has been hard. Um, you know, it's kind of been hard for me. I've got on a bit of a side tangent here about like, <laughs> are you scared? Or like, I will. I'll loop back no, round. No, no, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah you've got a great um, point of view about it. Yeah. I'm very Keep going. Interested. You're Keep okay. Going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I think like the final part before kind of looping back to like gender in the outdoors is that like, I, despite kind of identifying a sort of other, I'm actually super privileged. Like I am white, neurotypical, I'm conventionally sized, able-bodied. And that automatically places me up higher on that like social scale of like acceptable humans. Mm -hmm. So I can stand it like I look female. So I can stand here and talk about gender and I'm never at risk of any sort of abuse because everybody will assume I'm a girl unless I tell them that I don't identify that way. And so I'm in a pretty safe position. So even when I am on the road cycling, yes, I am a woman in the outdoors alone. Scary because we are told we should be scared. Um, But there are people who have it so much worse not have it so much worse that's not really the right phrasing but are are putting themselves out there like really out there um and I think it's important to elevate the voices of of those people as well that like recognizing that every bit of work that's been done has been by these incredibly marginalized people so hell yeah (laughs) and those people who can't necessarily (laughs) was clicking going on here those people who can't necessarily slide into that conventional box for safety if they need to as well yeah if you're not a reader um there's a good podcast actually with a look um on one of my favorite podcasts with glennon doyle and abby wombach Mm -hmm. where they chat about um these subjects and it's just really accessible so yeah we can do hard things podcast we'll put it in the show notes as well so coming through to how this translates into adventure and being out there on Mm -hmm. your own yeah what what are your thoughts on that ali um so kind of like back to the um are you scared question um you know like people ask me if I'm scared and they ask Jimmy like how do you do it and that sort of links back to that idea of you know that we should be scared and I think it's important to as I said I do get scared but it's just I don't know you just you have to go and like you take precautions obviously you like I always look at if I'm sleeping somewhere in the middle of nowhere my general idea is like make sure no one sees me go in make sure no one sees me come out this sort of thing so no one knows I'm sleeping there if I'm somewhere where there are like I use a lot of like wiki camp um like road stops 
um and i'll sleep in sort of those places and if there's other people there in their caravans or whatever i'll normally find like an older couple and go over and like say hi and sort of like you know go and sleep mind if i sleep next to you and sort of thing so you know it is safe to adventure as a woman and it it isn't but you know what do you do it's like at the moment it's like it's not really safe because COVID is still a thing. But what do you do? Do you just stay inside all the time? And obviously some people have to. I've got like immune compromised friends and like the whole quarantine mask things are the whole different other story. But, you know, it's kind of like, what do you do? Do you live and accept there are risks or not? Um, but I think, you know, the, the only problem is, is like, if something did happen to me, the message would kind of be like, well, they were traveling alone what did you expect? You didn't do enough to protect yourself. And that, that annoys me. <laughs> yeah. It's that like, um, see, we told you kind of message. We told thing. you so. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. told you so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do it anyway, because sort of linking back to, to like the cancer and my dad's lovely, don't deny yourself mm-hmm. is, you know, you know, you have to, you have to do the things that bring you joy, even though sometimes I am scared and I get into a bit of a, like, a downward scary uh, spiral of, like, oh, I'm going to die my tent out here. Um, But I haven't. And then the more you do it, the more you realise that most people are good people. Yeah, there's horror stories, but most people are good. And that's something I kind of hold on to. And also, if you're in the middle of nowhere, there's no one there, so it's just your mind (laughs) playing tricks on you. (laughs) Or it's a goat. uh, (laughs) Your experience was. Because it is... It is just so true. And also my other one that I always say is if you're in the middle of nowhere and you're on your bike, you probably look like the weird person that people are slightly unsure yes. of as well because what are you doing so out there true. on your bike? So, yeah. And like you say, it comes with experience as well and surviving, you know, we're all still here. We're very, I'm very mm-hmm. fortunate for that. Thank you. We're still here. But generally people are good. And yeah, yeah preparation, of course, and experience comes into play. But I do yeah. like to try and think the best of humans around me, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, your your gut, your common sense mm-hmm. pretty much always kicks in and you sort of like, I've moved before, I've been like, I don't feel safe here or I've had a strange interaction and sort of been like, I'm just going to move. Um, and I think anyone you'll speak to will say that. But I think what's quite interesting is that, you know, you ask um, women or like non-binary people or trans people, um, what are you scared of? And the answer is all kinds of things. You know, it's it's men, it's um, uh, like police, it's people in authority figures, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you ask men what they're scared of. And the only thing that men generally tend to be scared of is other men. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and this isn't, I'm not going off on like a feminist rant, you know, um, I'm just sort of stating a few things that are true from my experience. This isn't obviously true for everybody. Um, you know, there are, there's, lovely men out there and we I know that I have some incredible men in my life I'm not like men bashing um but just from my experience the male cyclists who I've spoken to I you know if you if you ask some of them when they've been together they've been like oh there was this group of men in the city and it's just it's interesting it's not I'm not trying to like draw conclusions from that it's just it's interesting that that has been the kind of um the answer a lot of the time um Present, I think I'm more scared of I have a bit of an overactive imagination so I'm definitely just scared of monsters <laughs> <laughs> and so far they haven't got you so I'm happy for that no no I've got yep yep the monster warning is it's going well warning them away <laughs> and so why do you make that choice to travel solo on those adventures so I think a lot of it comes back to how when I did the Camino it was such a healing um, 
it was such a sense of healing. And I think, you know, as I said earlier about healing not being linear, it's just sort of up and down things. So there's been times where it has been quite, and especially after lockdown when we were sort of just stuck inside with each other for eight months or something, I found that when I was sort of still in lockdown and not really doing anything, I started kind of retreating into nostalgia in a good way and a bad way. Like I went back in time to like all these warm, fuzzy memories, but I also went back in time to some of the trauma that surrounded sort of serious illness and it kind of brought everything up again. And I think it was to do with like, I wasn't making new memories as you normally would. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just like crept back into these old ones. And so by the time lockdown was over, it was like, I need to get, I need to get back to that safe place of being in nature by myself. Um, And you know, and I loved, I've always loved traveling alone. I love that there's no one else there to tell you we're having a snack now or like this time is breakfast. Um, I can stop and just read my book whenever I want or have a little nap whenever I want. Um, and so I think it was, let's get back to that sort of, that healing place. Um, there's a really interesting book and sort of quote by Suzanne Sontag, who also was diagnosed with cancer many, many um, years ago. And Um, I think it's in her book, Illness as Metaphor, and she talks about this duality and she says, you know, there's the kingdom of the well and the kingdom of the sick and everybody will spend time in this kind of realm of illness. We all get colds, we all get COVID or like chicken pox or whatever and then we come back out and we're back in the kingdom of the well. But there's some people who sort of never fully heal and they're sort of in that in-between space. They're not sick, they're not fully healed and I think like for me and some other friends and people I know who have cancer, we're kind of in that weird in-between thing of like, you know, I'm not sick at the moment, but I'm not fully healed because I will always kind of carry that with me. And so for me, the times when that is least um, at the surface, when not least, that's terrible English, when that's um, less present in my brain is when I'm not thinking about all the other things I have to do. And I've got that simplicity of life, which is, adventure momentum simpleness and so I think that is what always inspires me to get back out there solo is like this is my decompression time to just it's almost like (laughs) self-care you know that is my form like I'm not like a bubble bath and face mask person I am a nature (laughs) just alone sort of person (laughs) yeah yeah interesting and I guess that also the nature of those trips brings through, you talked at the beginning about that fragility and the resilience, like both of those qualities come through when you are out on those long stretches on those adventures as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you have to have a bit of fragility and vulnerability because you are trusting other people sometimes with your security. Um, But then you've got to have the resilience to push through if it's miserable weather or the roads are difficult or if it's raining or whatever. And I think, yeah, it's kind of that you're constantly seeking that balance as you sort of move around, which is um, really awesome. Um, But also just to kind of recognise here, um, I hate the trope around cancer surviving that's like, you survived cancer, now go and do something incredible, go and climb Everest, go and go to Antarctica. And I think it's important to recognise that like reaction to illness, serious illness, is a very individual thing. Like there's no one way to thrive successfully you know illness shouldn't be validated through the actions of survivors you know what I mean it's like because for some people they just want to go back to normal like for me I couldn't do that I had to move forward I had to go and do something but for some people they want to go back to how their life was before and it's important to say that is equally valid like if there's someone listening to this and they're like 
oh, I had cancer and I didn't do anything afterwards. Like, so what? You do, like, do whatever brings you joy. And, yeah, I would hate it if someone was kind of going, oh, God, now I've got to go and, like, climb a mountain in order for my cancer journey, and I put journey in quotes, to be successful. So I just wanted to throw that out there. It's, that's so, <laughs> so interesting. valid. And yeah, I, I think yeah. that came through in COVID as well with lockdowns. Mm. It became super popular on social media to be like, this lockdown, I'm going to achieve, like, X, Y, Z. And it's like, you know yeah. what? If this lockdown, you actually just like get out of bed, make a cup of tea mm-hmm. and make it through the day. Congratulations. The vibe. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And it goes back to that sort of like toxic productivity. Yeah, it's, it's like if you haven't learned another language and finished your manuscript, <laughs> like you <laughs> wasted you lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It does sound like a lot of these, um, you know, your time on the bike is like much more regenerative than it is something that's like look at me I just did this amazing trip around Australia like it's not like this you know if it's not on Strava you didn't do it type mentality oh, yeah, and things no, like no, that no. like I do I do record sometimes like I have a Garmin um, and I do record sometimes mainly from like a GPS perspective because believe it or not I have incredibly poor navigation like I've literally been like okay Murray River on the right keep the river on the right and you'll be fine <laughs> 10 minutes later I'm like where's the river <laughs> And you mentioned so I do I do record. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you feel like where have I gone and where am I? Um but yeah, I'm not I'm not big on the whole strap thing because like something to point out, I am not a fast rider. I am a slow, plodding, steady, you know, um and that's also fine. And like I am never gonna be a racer. I am never gonna enter one of these endurance bikepacking things like amazing the people do it but like it's just not me I'm I'm more of like I travel and it happens to be on a bicycle or sometimes it's in a car sometimes it's in a bus but like I am a traveler first and my bike allows me to travel to those places rather than like a cyclist who like happens to travel kind of thing yeah. and like that's not to invalidate the other one that's just as cool but like yeah the travel was the drive for me the fact I could do it in a kind of zero waste eco-friendly way was like ka-ching double win (laughs) totally and I just wanted to highlight that because I just Mm. think that it's not as prevalent as and I'm guilty to it as well I'm like well if I'm not training for a race then what am I doing why am I getting out the door Mm. you know and sometimes you have to validate your why sometimes with an event coming up Um, but I love that you are just like you said off air like I don't think I'll ever compete or race in anything and I think that that's amazing Mm. I think that's a really cool and healthy way to be as well um, because I think a lot of people just get caught up in the what's next, what's next, what's mm-hmm. next mentality. Yeah. And yeah. people can also start to sort of expect stuff from exactly. you, which I think is quite, is quite difficult. Um, and like, I, no one like expects anything from me, which is, which is awesome. Um, but like, I, I don't train, like I've never been someone who trains for things. Like I'll be like, okay, this is my kind of comfort level. I'm doing like 40 K a day commuting. I reckon I can do 60 on a loaded bike and then I'll push it to 80 and then I'll push it to a, you know, sort of thing. Um, so, so yeah, like, I don't know, like I've got, I'm hoping to get away, um, for the long weekend for a few days. And like, it's just been so hard to get away on my bike because I work, I'm doing like all kinds of random work at the moment as well as teaching stuff. Um, and I just don't have any consecutive days off. So it's been really hard. I haven't got away since, you know, the last bank holiday. Um, and part of me is, is kind of like, oh, if I got on my bike more, it's going to be a less painful weekend. But I also am kind of like, I'm so busy during the week. I'm like, I don't have a ton of time to do that. And I'm like, no, oh, I'll just hop on my bike and see how it goes. Like, I'll get there. <laughs> And you will, and that's the thing. And it's, I will. It's just expectation as well, and yeah, you know, why you're why you're doing it. And the other thing mm-hmm. as well is, I feel like we have talked, and these are such important elements of adventure, but like about that contemplation, about the healing, mm. but fun, 
right? Fun mm-hmm. is also just a massive part of this. Absolutely. Like I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. And I think that's why I'm never going to be a like endurance racer because I will stop when I want to stop and I'll take a few days off in some shelter. Like I'll you know rent a room or a little motel room or something and just sort of chill out and read for a few days. Like one of the most important things I put on my bike is an e-reader because I love reading. It is my most favorite thing to do in the whole world. And I'll always have that with me. And sometimes you're like, if I don't stop now, I'm going to stop enjoying this. And so I take that pause until I'm like, oh, I'm so ready to get back on my bike again. Um, And I think like so much of last year, um, like I spent half the year living in a tent last year, like six months of last year living in a tent. And I think that's possibly why I don't have a super big drive for like going at the moment because I'm kind of like I'm ready for those home comforts and like a shower across the corridor and all those things because I spent so much of last year in the tent but I know that at some point I'll get fed up with that and like I was saying and I want to hop back on again but um it's okay like it's okay to fluctuate um like Alison put up um a beautiful Instagram story last night where she kind of was like not feeling the motivated. This is Alice. Her name is Alison. Alison in Alice in Wonderland or Alison Wonderland. Oh. I'm not sure. Either way, Alison Piercy, <laughs> who has been on the podcast before. Um, and I think I think it was you who corrected me because in the show notes I mistakenly linked her oh Instagram profile to some lady who likes cats. It wasn't actually <laughs> Alison Piercy. I, I and Ali I very kindly do. messaged me and was like, um, "I don't think, I think this you've is got the right the wrong one." <laughs> I don't know. I've been talking about Kristen. That was like, oh, let's change that. <laughs> I clicked it, and I was like, oh, that's a lot of cat. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I'm um, take you to like Allison, a cat one or something. Yeah. Allison, who is another one of my like Instagram friends, who will one day be a real life friend sort of person. Um, she put a story up yesterday, which I think was brilliant, of her just kind of saying like, I don't have a lot of motivation right now. Like, anyone else feeling this? Mm. Like, do I fight it? Do I give into it? Like, you know. Is it, is it okay? Like, it's okay that I feel like this way. And I think that's, yeah, like all summer it's too hot. Like who wants to ride when it's like scorching hot? And then you've got to kind of, your fitness has declined over the summer and you've got to kind of get back into it and it's tough for a little bit. Um, but I think it's okay to go through lulls. Like, yeah, her, her that's, post that's was, fine. It was brilliant. I had a little chat with her after that as well because mm-hmm. yeah, I think exactly it's so relatable I also think, and we've talked about this, I don't think this necessarily applies to you, but it's also how much you identify, like how much you tie your identity up in the activity. Mm. Because Alison, and I'm not saying Alison ties herself up to bikepacking, but she was like, oh, I'm looking at my bike and I'm thinking I should be going and riding it, but I just don't really feel like it you know mm-hmm. and it's like oh mm-hmm. hang on but if I'm a bike packer then I should be doing this yeah and it just comes back to exactly like it's okay we'll have lulls we don't need to be just all about riding bikes or adventure yeah. we have other like facets to our lives as well and you'd said Ali um because you there was a poetry thing that was shared on your Instagram and I was like <laughs> oh you're so creative and you're like oh well I was actually more creative than sporty but what yeah. you said to me was it takes more courage to share art over action I think something yeah. like that <laughs> yeah. which I thought was a really okay. beautiful way to to approach yeah. that as well that came that came out of nowhere art over action um but yeah I've always been super I was always the creative kid at school that did like all the drama the music and I've always like written songs written poetry written stories painted blah blah, blah. um and I remember having this conversation with you Sarah earlier on uh, this year some point when you started releasing your like beautiful iPad drawings that you do and you put one up and then we had the conversation about how you were like oh it's not very good but I'm sharing it anyway um, and then you reposted it after like we had that chat and we're like 
this is just my art kind of thing and I'm it, it brings me joy and I think as I've got older I've moved away from like you have to be good at something to enjoy it and so like on the bike like am I good at it I don't know probably not in the grand scheme of things but do I enjoy it absolutely and therefore I do it but I found that I can't apply that to other forms of art like I'm like, oh, is it going to be good enough? Oh. And my lovely friend Chris, who is an incredible poet, and he goes to the open mic night every month, was like, just come along. And I scrabbled together a little bit of poetry um, to read. And, like, the response was just so overwhelmingly positive and it's such a safe space to share in that I was just like, okay, I'm going to keep I'm gonna keep doing I'm going to keep sharing my poetry because people would come up and kind of like, that little line really resonated with me or whatever. Um and it was kind of like, oh, this isn't actually that hard to share. You just have to accept that you might not be the best in the room. And I think that goes, you could, that can be the same with bikepacking. I'm never going to be in the best in the room. But, you know, my ident- like we're complex humans. My identity is not just a cyclist. Like, and I think with Jimmy, it's such a core part of who he is. He is a bikepacker. Um, and that's fine. Like, I have loads of other weird little things that I do. And, like, it's so core to him. Um, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel like I should, you know, be more like him. And then have to remember that I have this whole other side that he doesn't like, you know, um, I do have this creative side. And he, he doesn't really have that. And that's not to say like, oh, that's a bad thing. It's just we're different. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think uh, it was ages ago you, Alison and I talked about doing a paint packing trip where we go bike packing but take paints i'm so keen for that absolutely (laughs) yeah that would be amazing for sure it is definitely just to like re-resonate on you know what you just said it is much harder to share art over action isn't it and i'm just thinking to myself too like i always was i'm way more scared to like put up me playing ukulele versus me mm-hmm. finishing black all like yeah that's a post that's straight up there maybe even pin it you know whatever else but like if it's me playing ukulele i'm like oh god i missed up on that maybe i'll just check yeah. out this little section whereas like half my race was imperfect right <laughs> well you think there was a bit of coercion to do the jingle or the intro for our podcast right. because i knew Kristen played ukulele and was like how cool would that be if you can create something absolutely and, you like, and i think it's yeah. awesome <laughs> it's scary it's yeah it, it kind of feels like a little bit of part of you doesn't it that's mm. a real i've just never thought of that point before so i'm just a little yeah. little meditating on it myself <laughs> well it is it's kind of like um you are giving a little bit of yourself to the world like Chris and I are always joking we're like oh take your pain and make it art um which is just like super cliche but like you often do like I very rarely write like happy things I'm always like let me tell you about my trauma (laughs) through the spoken word (laughs) and so you know you are kind of potentially putting yourself in quite a vulnerable position and so it's harder like you are you know as we've talked about you are in a vulnerable position kind of on your bike whatever but it's sort of a different it's more of a physical vulnerability Mm. I suppose rather than that sort of emotional vulnerability and sometimes that's that's way kind of way harder um been lucky enough to kind of get support from a couple of amazing companies so Curve um Curve Cycling who are based in Melbourne incredible stories coming from the people who work there um and Sarah Hammond especially has kind of just been incredible she's really taken me on her wing and is just always there to talk about anything bikes or not um and you know have been super lucky to be able to ride their gorgeous steel gmx plus she's bright pink her name is griselda 
I love her. She's a star. Um, That's an amazing yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, totally. and you, and the, like it's just a perfect alignment. You're not just trying to be represented by any brand on Instagram for the hell of it. Mm. Like there is just true alignment of your values and the way you lead your yeah. life. So yeah, it's absolutely yeah, perfect. 100%. Yeah, super important. <laughs> Very, yeah, that's an amazing partnership to have, it sounds like. And so you've got Curve just repeat those again curve yeah so curve cycling who make my beautiful bike um so i've and sarah and i both have the gmx plus which is just this like gravel monster cross it's just huge beautiful wheels for rolling over all those horrible rocks that used to scare me and now i'm like yeah i can crush them um and it's kind of the thing i love i I don't know about you sarah but i love my walmart bars you do do you have walmart bars or do you have the no i have walmart's and i actually had walmart's on my gravel bike before i even had the curve so i love those bars yes Mm -hmm. just like i have a lot of trouble with nerve pain especially on um uneven roads and having the warmer bars and being able to move my hands around a lot more has really really helped i think i might also look into some sort of padded gloves but yeah massively massively helped i would come to the end and i I wouldn't even have to ride that far and my hands would be shot to pieces so yeah i'm a huge fan like even yeah Anyone listening who's like, I've got a bike, just get some warmer bars. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, they are super wide as well. So some people look at them if yeah. you're used to like a road setup and think, oh, they look freakishly yeah. wide. And they are, Absolutely. but they are just so comfortable. Yeah. I've got stuck trying to get through like um, like the styes and the gates and things. And I'm like, just going to have to lift my bike over this. <laughs> like hashtag warmer bar problems. <laughs> and um yeah the other people ground effect clothing um which are a beautiful new zealand based clothing like designed and made in um new zealand or aratura and uh they so i have had a journey trying to find shorts (laughs) um and i've tried like every form of short like i've done the lycra i've done the baggy i've done the patagonia the nike like i've tried everything and they always either chafe or they like ride up or they pile or they get saggy it's just been it's been a journey um and they sent me a pair of their um lucy's which are their new um uh, jeans they're not jeans shorts (laughs) It's like they're new jeans. I cycle in jeans. Don't do that. Anyone don't cycle in jeans. (laughs) They're new shorts. And it's got like an elasticated yogury style waistband. So you just like pop them on down and they're like just loose enough to have all that movement and just tight enough that they're not going saggy. And oh my, they are so good. And the seal the deal, they've got pockets. (laughs) It's a female short with pockets. That's hard to find, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I tried them on and just went for a ride and fell in love with them. So I am, yeah, they are my absolute favorite thing. No chamois, I'm (laughs) guessing. Forever short. No, no, I did try. Um, And like, I think if I was into racing, that would be a great idea, a bit of support and comfort. But I think multiple day things like, how do you keep that thing clean? It's a, that's another podcast in itself. Yeah. <laughs> now, I am always interested in, um, I guess, family members of the four-legged kind or mm. anything of the non-human kind. So let's give a little bit of a uh, – uh, give a fl- the floor to your dog. <laughs> well, Nellie is out at the moment. She is Anne and Gary's 10-month-old Kelper Body Collar Cross. She is just, like, full of energy. <laughs> Um, she is she's just she's gorgeous but she's very much in that stage of sort of learning like learning puppy behavior um and yeah she is the kind of dog that like if you're talking and she's not getting the attention she'll just be there like what are you 
pay me attention, humans. I will just start like yipping at you until you like bend down and give her a little stroke. Um, she's pretty gorgeous. And um, Anne has got this awesome bike tow leash that she attaches to her curve, Kevin, and takes Nelly out on these awesome bike rides. And it's kind of like rigid enough to keep the dog away from your cassette and stuff, but it's like kind of flexible enough that they can kind of move side to side a little bit. And I think her and Gary's plan eventually is to um, take Nelly on some bike packing missions. They're going to kind of get a little trailer because Kelpie Border Collies can do like 80 kilometers a day when they're sort of fully grown and like trained. And I don't think they never actually like run her that far, but like she could do 30, maybe sit in the trailer for a little bit, hop back out. Um, that's sort of the sort of the plan um like i would love to get a pet but we have so many plans to be away that it's not really fair at the moment but it's kind of a like future you know when we move i'm like oh, can we get a chicken <laughs> just one chicken that's all i want just a cuddle and then i tried to cuddle one of the chickens here and i was like that is not a cuddly animal <laughs> <laughs> well nelly can round them all up for you anyways <laughs> you know what though Kristen? like she is meant to be a herd dog. She is meant to be a farm dog. And when you go past cows, she's just like, she's <laughs> and I'm there going, it's okay. It's just a cow. You're meant to be a herd. You'd be a terrible mustard dog. Like, <laughs> she's a bikepacking dog. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. She can herd up, herd up the curb. <laughs> so cute. I love that plan, though, of it, Jimmy's parents being able to do that with her because, yes, they can definitely run like you can attest to your coolie. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. running all day. Yeah. yeah, indeed. This, I don't know if you've seen this leash setup that they have on the bike, Kristen. It's so cool. So it's like, from what I've seen in the picture, it's it's like it comes off, I don't know if it's a bar or something, it comes off horizontally from the frame. Yeah, the from, yeah, it pretty much attaches into that bolt um, that would like hold the cassette and everything in place, mm-hmm. like either side of the, the wheel, pretty much. I think, I think Gary might have added like something, like an extra bolt in because Nelly is very enthusiastic. Like if she sees a kangaroo when you're riding, like, you know, it's like an e-bike. It's like a Nell <laughs> e-bike and you just like shoot off. So it needed a bit of reinforcing. Right. But yeah, pretty much just comes out the side and it's sort of like this flexible sort of um, rubbery plastic kind of thing. It's called Bike Toe Leash. They look so cool because like you can't get com. The... I was like, it's from America. Kristen, yeah, you guys right. always think of cool stuff. Yeah. Well, there's just that many people that are sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> no, it's so cool. Yeah, because she can't get tangled in the bike, but she seems to just trot along beside it. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah she's I would be worried well about trained. my dogs seeing the kangaroo and just going... Yeah. 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 yeah 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 especially with the forests nearby like we live really near the beautiful kaipo forest i've said the word beautiful like 17 times during this podcast but <laughs> things just are so beautiful um and there are loads of roos in there and so you don't want to have your dog off a lead they would just i don't even know if you're allowed a dog off a lead we always keep nelly attached because you'd never get your dog back <laughs> yeah yeah nelly sounds like she'd be gone <laughs> mm-hmm. she's very cute um, I am conscious of time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would like to touch on, Ali, that we haven't spoken about or anything else you would like to say? Um, I don't think so. I'm just looking through uh, notes of, like, the things we're going to – so you said um, favorite gear. We can maybe do, like, a quick round of those last little few things that you put in the oh, very yes, bottom about, on. like, noodle. gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can maybe just, like, quick, quick fire through there. <laughs> Um, how do you prepare for multi-day adventures? Spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my quick fire answer. <laughs> I love that. Favorite gear item other than the container that you talked about earlier? 
tent busy um, what's your sleeping setup yeah so my sleep setup is basically sea to summit everything okay. <laughs> so i have the sea to summit mat i uh, see to summit like super extra thermal liner because i'm a very cold sleeper and then i have one of the so i usually buy um i know i've just spent like 15 minutes being like oh gender norms suck but i always buy like the female <laughs> sleeping bags and stuff because they are like made for a shape a sort of stereotypical shaped female and um, so i have found that those sleeping mats and stuff are are a little bit better for my shape um so i tend to yeah i think i've got the flame three or something like that um and i've got a nemo hornet one person uh tent which um i think i would probably use a mont moon dance now if i was going to rebuy a new tent um but the hornet i've had for years and that did it's done it's super lightweight but obviously you've always got that balance of like it's ultra light but it's probably going to break at some point but yeah I've, they've been been brilliant that's kind of my main my main gear i guess oh and tread light bike bags obviously scott and mary are incredible they're just the coolest people um and they're just great they're lightweight bags and they are also waterproof which is and super custom so and where are it's they pretty based cool. adelaide they're in port adelaide yeah. so really near to us um yeah we go and meet them every now and again and get some hilarious stories um and yeah you basically just send off your custom measurements and tell them what you want and they'll create it it's very cool awesome. that's amazing and then one other important part of gear because snacks and coffee uh stove what do you use oh yes yeah. so i used to use um a solo stove um which is a wood burning stove and you just feed in twigs and then it's good to go and then obviously i realized fire bands or anything <laughs> so i just have the solo stove version of like a transier basically um so just kind of meths um and the little thing um and then stick the bot on top and you're pretty much good to go um on the subject of coffee i've got a little java drip which is um you know the sort of little filter sieve which clicks on it doesn't make like the best coffee obviously an aeropress is a like the king of mm. travel uh, stuff but um it's really lightweight so i normally just chuck that in yeah i love an aeropress but Same. it is bulky depending yeah. on what you want to carry yeah. And then on, on the cooking thing with Quickfire, what is Udon Noodle Supreme? <laughs> so I think I invented this, but according to like everybody else, I didn't. Um, so it's not like it's different. And this is very important. It's different to like me goreng noodles and pot noodles and stuff. So it's like the, the sort of semi-freshest thick Udon noodles that you get in a packet. That's like 50 cents or whatever. And then like a laxa copper soup and dehydrated veg. So you want to rehydrate your veg first, then do your soup, put your noodles in, then put your soup and you sort of mix it together and it's noodle, noodle supreme. Do you <laughs> I have to say that after like two weeks of eating noodle supreme, noodle supreme every day, it's, yeah, you lose Not your so love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything that you eat for two weeks, you generally lose a palate for. Hate, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Food love fatigue. udon noodles. Yeah. Well, there you go. And there we've got the camping version. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think your last one was Wildest Wee. Yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> this one requires a little bit of a, yeah. <laughs> so the Wildest Wee question is the deep and meaningful question that we ask based on the mm-hmm. fact that when I was coaching little girls mountain biking on the coast here, they couldn't make it through the hour session without needing to go to the toilet oh. and there were no facilities. So they had to use the facilities, so to speak. Mm. And their question was always, can we go for a wild we? So that's where that little bit of language came from. Ali, can you tell us about your wildest we? <laughs> I can do. Um, I love the wilderness we. I'm a huge proponent of it. Um, I think it's great. A little shout out to Cooler Cloths um, that I use. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
which are awesome. If you haven't heard of them, look them up. It's changed my game. You don't have to carry toilet paper. Um, apart from obviously number twos, you do want to carry toilet paper for that. Um, oh, wild! Well, actually, how like how gross can we go here? You can do whatever you want. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> um, I probably told the story to Jimmy when I first met him, and he hasn't run away. So hopefully, all your listeners won't desert you. Um, so my wildest we wasn't actually in the wild. <laughs> so when I was in India. I got on a very, very long coach journey. And when you get on the, I don't know if you guys have ever been to India, but the long distance buses there, they basically cut them into sections where you get your own little sort of coffin with um, a draw like curtain that comes across. So each like the inside of each bus is just like bed, 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 bed. And it's got a layer of um, curtain in between. So you can basically sit up or lie down, like there's no seats because they're obviously they're like 18 hour buses or whatever. And I've always been the kind of person who gets worried about needing a wee on buses and things. And normally the buses prior to this, they stop and you get off and you go to the toilet. All good. So we get on this bus and we're sort of like nine hours in and I'm thinking, we haven't stopped to use the blue yet and so I like and the roads oh god the roads there are just like you're all over the place like I went with my friend who's a lot shorter than me and every time we break she'd like shoot and hit the front of her like cabin and then like roll back and hit the rest of it whereas I could kind of prop myself up because I'm quite tall but yeah she was just like ba-doing, ba-doing. um but she wasn't on this bus it's this later and so I got to the driver and I'm like toilet and he's like no and I was like okay I was like well there's no translation issues there it's it's and I was like but I I need the toilet and he was like no I was kind of thinking well I have to go I've been on this bus for like nine hours and sometimes they just have a little bucket and the men aren't allowed to use it but sometimes they let the women use it but then everyone obviously watches you we um so I got back into my little coffin and like closed the curtain and the curtains are like swaying around all over the place as you're jolting around and you're bumping around and I started looking through my backpack and the only thing I had was like a stasher bag um which for anyone who doesn't know what a stasher bag is it's like a silicon zippy ziplock bag basically so it's a reusable one <clears throat> and I've been keeping like my deodorant and my shampoo bar in there <clears throat> and I kind of looked at it and I was just like oh I'm gonna have to <laughs> I take out my toiletries still bouncing around on this and I'm trying to like keep the curtain shut with one elbow kind of take everything down and then opening it up and it's sort of like a sandwich bag size and I have to like crouch over it and like hold it in place and like I'm going and I'm like oh god what if it's like a big wee and it it starts to like over and like thankfully it doesn't that was my first thought I'm like is it gonna fit (laughs) what's the ending and I was kind of looking at it like you're sort of bladder size I reckon we'll get it all in and um and I did and I also just want to point here I didn't spill a drop so And that's without a shiwi, so I'm pretty proud. So now I was able to, like, I zip it up, and now I'm, like, now I'm just left holding this bag of urine <laughs> for the next 10 hours kind of thing. And so I sort of, like, make sure it's very, very sharp, put, like, a bulldog clip on it and sort of leave it in the corner of my little coffin. Um, and then when the bus eventually reached its destination, like, I don't know how everybody else did it, I get off and I'm just, like, my back house, and I'm just holding this bag of... <laughs> you're in just shamelessly like get off the bus and sort of empty it out onto the curb wash it out ready to reuse no. <laughs> i still have it it's in my bed no i was just gonna say do you still have it and do you look at it the same way <laughs> no after that i was like food is never going in here <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's the wildest we um just the thought of like bouncing around desperate for the toilet oh it was it was 
something else. <laughs> 18 hours. That's impressive for everybody else on that bus to not use the toilet. Yeah. There must be. A yeah. System. Everyone else on the bus yeah. must have been male because there's no way that everybody held. Or maybe they've got like, maybe, maybe there's something I'm, I don't know about well. that people, you know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> everyone else took the bucket. <laughs> yeah. Very resourceful. I love it. That is a very awesome wild we thank you ali thank you you're welcome <laughs> if anyone would like to find you online where is the best place to go so i am a user of instagram um i am the misadventures of alice like alice's adventures in wonderland but mine are the misadventures and i also write blogs for curve cycling and ground effect clothing Amazing. And I will try and hyperlink to the correct Instagram account because I don't know what other misadventures another Alice might be <laughs> Well, it's actually funny. When I was first looking, I'm, I, I looked for misadventures of Alice and it was like a photographer or something. I'm like, I'm not like terribly off here. But then I looked more, I'm like, there's nothing of a bike. So don't do misadventures of Alice. The, the misadventures the, of Alice, no. yes. <laughs> it has been so awesome to speak to you. I've wanted to do this for ages and I'm so glad that we were able to make it happen. You are an incredible human. Thank you so much for sharing Thank your story you. with us. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on as well. Yeah, it's really nice to finally see you both in real life and um, if I can just say a huge thank you to both of you for running this podcast and elevating us every day side hustling athletes um, and also to my parents who are just incredible people um, they're so supportive of me doing all these crazy things and it must be really difficult when I put myself in strange situations but they've they've always got my back so thank you Louise and Adam you're the best love that Awesome. Oh, yeah. We'll have to do a paint packing trip sometime soon. 100%. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Thank you so much again for your time. We'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Have a lovely day. Thanks, Bye. Thanks, Ali. Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sarah is all the gear nay idea, and that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people, and Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton. To read the show notes or to listen on the website, you can visit intothewehours.com forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash podcast. Happy adventuring, and we will talk to you next time.